0: This is the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour. Kane Pittman alongside Olga Nulic after another big weekend of NBL action. And the Perth Wildcats are on the agenda. There is trouble over West. The locals are very, very restless and we're going to dive in to what we've seen from the Perth Wildcats over the first few weeks of the season. And what about the Super Sunday we just had with Melbourne, New Zealand, Sydney, and Tasmania all playing two awesome games? We're going to break down what we saw there. We do need to hit a few other subjects. DJ Vasiljevic, we finally saw him playing for Adelaide. And we might even get to some NBA action. There's been some contract signings and roster moves across the NBA, which has impacted some of our... Favourite Australians getting the job done over there in the US. So we're going to break down all that. And, Olg's. Hi, Cain. I threw it to you. Hello. And I think a team that we probably haven't dove into in a big way just so far in this season, it might be time to discuss
1: the Perth Wildcats. I think I told you, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, where I said I wasn't really sure what the Wildcats were. Um, I didn't... Going into the season, I knew that there, there would be some issues. I think I had... I looked at sort of the characters on the team. I, I looked at the, the leadership or like the lack of leadership on the court. I, just, I didn't know what they were. Like, the talent is cool. And we so we figure... And they have Bryce Cotton, right? So you give them those two things. But then it just hasn't clicked. And we're sort of waiting for it to click. And, and I'm at a point where we're still really early in the season. Where I, I'm still trying to give the benefit of the doubt in some ways, right? They've lost three in a row. Two of those were to Melbourne and to Sydney. That's that's a tough schedule. But then losing to Adelaide is always sort of a wake-up call for everybody. So like with the Illawarra Hawks, you give them the benefit of the doubt until they lost to Adelaide. And so that's that's where I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about uh, Bryce Cotton, not just the way he's being used, but just the way he's looking. Uh, it doesn't look like he's extremely happy there. It looks like he's physically like drained it, it doesn't look like he's able to get to his spots in the same way so yeah there are there are some concerns i'm not ready to completely overreact and, and say all right like shut up shop or, or they need like wholesale changes but they're like really bad indicators and they are wildly concerning and a loss this week against potentially brisbane that might that might be the
0: ultimate sort of expediter toward change yeah, massive game Friday night. And last week on the podcast, we spoke about Adelaide and the position that they're in, and the fact that they couldn't afford to probably lose the two games in the weekend. Mm. So they get the win over Perth, which is massive for them. But now you look at the Wildcats, and they're two and four. And so obviously it's very, very early in the season. But what is it that concerns you most if I said to pinpoint whether it's offense or defense? Because I did find it fascinating listening to the post game press conference after this loss that a lot of the focus from John really was on the offense. And I'm just mm. not sure that that's where the focus of my concern is right now when I think about the Perth Wildcats.
1: No. So when I look at how how good teams are offensively, defensively this season so far, the the Wildcats are down there with Illawarra as the worst defense. And it's sort of those two. And then there's a pack in the middle and then there's Melbourne. Um the, the fact that they're hovering down there, and that this was a big difference between the John Riley really press conference and the Jacob Jacobus press conference, which is every question Jacob Jacobus, uh pivoted toward defense. He said, that's cool, but if we're not getting done on that end of the floor, then everything else is almost redundant. And that is the biggest issue here. And it was the issue that we knew they would have coming in by bringing back the same core of guards. They brought back Ty Webster, Bryce Cotton, Corey Webster. The, these aren't elite defenders. These are This is a group that we know... Uh, a, a net negatives defensively at the very least that the numbers suggest that, um, and then we thought Jordan Nasha would come in and bolster things, be a point of attack guy, maybe be that that really solid first line of defense. There, he just hasn't been that. I, I think he's been pretty bad defensively, to be honest. And so, if you don't have anyone stopping the point of attack, and it seems like John really is still figuring out how to use Alex Sarr, who's probably is their best rim protector. There's just no recipe for this team to to succeed defensively. And I don't know where the fix is going to be unless John Usher all of a sudden
0: just transforms into the defender that he said he was. So I can understand in some ways why John really is focusing on the offense. Because if you just make the comparison to last year, they had the number one offense in the league last year and dead last in defense. We were in press conferences where we asked the question. And I think that there was a level of, well, I don't know the personnel that we can defensively get any better on that end of the floor so we're just going to outscore teams yeah the problem is this year they're eighth in offense and eighth in defense so that's maybe why john riley's really looking at the offense and saying we're not functioning but i'm still looking at all those numbers so yes they're eighth overall in defensive efficiency but they're last in defensive rebounding percentage they're ninth in offensive rebounding percentage so they're still not rebounding the ball at all they're ninth in block percentage seventh in steal percentage so any defensive metric you can find they're just not not anywhere near yeah. a, a a playoff team or a contending team right now, and perhaps the biggest trouble because you ma- mentioned the guards defensively. They're giving up 65% shooting at the rim this season, which is 9% above league average. And if you look at some of the players that have been able to score efficiently from two-point territory against them, Isaac Humphries is 19 for 24 from two-point range against the Wildcats <laughs> this year. Geordie Hunter is 8 for 10. Jonah Bolden was 4 for 5. McVeigh was 5 for 6. And then Cummins, a guard for the Phoenix, was 7 for 7. So... They're just not slowing anyone down within the perimeter. And the scary thing right now is that opponents are only shooting 29% from three. So there's scope for this to get worse if things don't tighten up on that end of the floor.
1: Yeah, Keanu Pinder is a a really good player in the NBL. He's not a crazy rim protector. And I feel like we've known this. He was, we got to remember in Cairns, he was next to Sam Wardenberg, who's practically a seven footer, who at the, at the very least gives you size. Whereas right now they're playing... County Pinder next to Christian Doolittle. And when it's not Christian Doolittle, it's generally someone like a Jesse Wagstaff or a Hiram Harris. Or the, so the the size isn't there. And and in that game, it was just particularly like jarring when you just see Isaac Humphreys b- practically doing whatever he wanted in the paint. And he, he basically did that in, in the last game against Perth as well. Um, that, that was the game where Jacob Wiley and Isaac Humphreys sort of just decided to take over in the third quarter, just did what they wanted inside. And so that is concerning, especially because... Isaac Humphreys is a really good big, but they're gonna come up against better bigs. They they're, they're gonna go up against they haven't they haven't faced Joel Alatul yet. What the hell are they gonna do against him? He was he was going crazy the other night against New Zealand. New Zealand, they don't have an elite big, but they've got sort of big athletic bodies to throw at him and they they, they didn't double down. But what happens when they go up against these legitimate bigs who are gonna draw double teams and, and can sort of go to work in the paint? It's it's a real issue for him. And, and I think the key is they've got to figure out a way to unlock Alexar. and his, his minutes are sort of they're sort of swaying. I, I expected them to continue trickling upward, but they just haven't been that way. And I think it's just because they're still they're figuring out how to play him, how to use him. Right? He's sort of he's one of these generational talents on both ends. But defensively, he's this guy who's supposed to be your rim protector. He's an athlete. His timing is great. Their, their inability to use him effectively and to get the most out of him is one of the big reasons why they're one of the worst defenses in the league.
0: They haven't been able to figure out exactly the the lineups that work just yet on the defensive end. And we spoke about it early in the season, and I felt more confident that they would be able to figure it out over the course of the season this year compared to last year. So far, uh, it just hasn't been the the case. And you mentioned Bryce, and it's a little bit... Jar- I mean, there's lots of radical conversations going on now about Bryce Cotton. It, it's been six games. I yep. uh, The number that stands out to me... and. Yeah, again, John really sort of pointed to it a little bit. He's referenced the attention he's getting defensively hmm. a few times over the course of the season. He is only attempting 3.5 free throws a game. He's normally a guy that gets you six or seven. So that is definitely a number that stands out to me. But so far, he's just 32% from the field. So yep. I can't bring myself to believe it's going to stay there. Um, so I'm not really worried about Bryce Cotton looking for any any hot takes regarding him. Um, But certainly where that efficiency is down across the board is hurting them offensively. But I still think they've got to look at the other end of the floor if they want to make any strides. Because even last year, they could outscore some teams, but they Mm. were never contending playing that way. And if it continues this way defensively, they're not going to be a team that is going to trouble any of the Melvins, the Sydneys, the Tasmania, and some of these teams that we're going to continue to talk about. So as I said, the locals are a little bit restless right now. They're used to winning. And unfortunately... Uh, it hasn't been the case over the last few weeks. The Sunday doubleheader special. Do you want to start with Melbourne and New Zealand? Because So I, good. I, I know you, we're obviously both pretty high on Melbourne United, as everyone is. Yeah. But New Zealand, we spoke about on the podcast last week. How are they going to come back to Australia? They've got these three games in the seven days, so they've got two games, a Thursday night, and a weekend uh, fixture this week. And, and how are they going to look? And they took it to Melbourne until the fourth quarter, and and ultimately, I think it was a really impressive performance.
1: I thought Melbourne was going to run away with it after that first quarter. New Zealand just kept coming back. If if anything, I know they lost the game, but I'm higher on New Zealand than I was before. Mm. They look they they. That's just, impossible, by the way, Alex. You're as I high as anyone away. that
0: I know on the New Zealand breakers.
1: I was so high. I was above the clouds on New, on the New Zealand breakers. Yep. yep. But I think what what we saw from them that the balance they play with, how dominant some of their guys are. From uh Zion Cheatham to Parker Jackson Cartwright, William McDowell White didn't have his best game. He looked almost tired. Um, just he wasn't able to get on the rim like he's used to. And a big part of that is Arya Hawkbody and and JLA and so that that is a factor there. But I think Island Cheatham, him shooting those corner threes is a really important step because he wasn't shooting those in those first two games. He was almost scared to shoot them, right? But he shot those. He made those. He needs to shoot those in order to open the floor. Um, Parker Jackson Cartwright can get, get it wherever the hell he wants on the floor, which is great. Um, and then once they get Anthony Lamb sort of situated, I'm so intrigued at the ceiling of this team, especially offensively, because defensively, they're playing like a Monty Mayor team. Offensively, if you get Anthony Lamb going he has the potential to be one of the best scorers in the league because he can score at all three levels. He really didn't shoot it that much in this game, but around the rim, he was doing what he wanted. And so I really like this team for them to compete with Melbourne throughout the entire game. And it was basically a a Chris Golding, not a Hail Mary three is what Chris Golding Golding does, but like a a dagger Chris Golding three. And there was a three in the corner by Ian Clark. you know, one of those shots doesn't fall and maybe something does for or maybe a call goes New Zealand's way. This result is completely different. I just really like what I saw overall from this team.
0: Adelaide on Thursday night at home, back in New Zealand, so they finally get to get back to their own bed. And then they're straight back to Melbourne on Saturday against the rejuvenated Phoenix team. So all of a sudden, the Adelaide game with DJ coming in, mm-hmm. Isaac Humphreys having a big weekend, and then the Phoenix, who are looking a little bit healthy, will get to the Phoenix. All of a sudden it's a challenging doubleheader here. But I am so surprised that you mentioned the word tired when it comes to the New Zealand Breakers because you were in the press conference (laughs) and Modi Mayor was giving you one word answers. And he said, There is no excuses. I'm not, I don't care where we've come from. I don't care about the flight that we've been on. And I did say to you last week that if we look at this three game set that the breakers have coming back from the U S incredibly challenging mm-hmm. and it can really put them behind the eight ball if they don't win at least one, but you'd love to be able to get two because right now they are one and two. You don't want to get to one and three, one and four, all of a sudden you're chasing the pack for the rest of the season. But I did say, I bet your Modi Mayor is using this as motivation or he's maybe he's not mentioning it at all. He's giving no excuses. He's holding them accountable. And if people didn't listen to the press conference, it was classic Modi Mayor. So... Something that that athletes talk about, basketball players talk about it, it's KYP, it's Know
1: Your Personnel. Mm-hmm. When I go into a press conference, I know <laughs> who's in front of me. I know what Modi's like. I knew exactly that he wasn't going to use the flight as an excuse, so I didn't bring it up. He brought it up, right? So he sort of he brought brought it upon himself
0: to use that as motivation. Mm. And that is fine. That is, he can do that. Um, do and- you think that he was bringing up the flight... And saying that we're not talking about the flight, I didn't. But just reminding everyone that they were on a long flight. Is that what you're saying? Kane, I didn't even mention it. Okay,
1: I didn't even mention it to him. (laughs) I was trying to bring up some positive stuff, some of the growth that his team's gone through over the past few weeks. I was trying to bring up that stuff. Mm -hmm. He's focused on results and outcomes, Mm. right? Naturally, which is what he should be. I'm trying to find. I'm, I'm looking at outcomes. I'm also looking at indicators. I'm looking at everything. But also I'm aware of what Modi Mayo was like if it was a win he'd be giving me one word answers right it takes a little bit for for Modi to get going and I feel like I feel like we got there eventually he gave us some pretty substantive answers down the road but I knew what I was going into uh, I've covered we've covered this league for long enough we know who's in front of us we know who's going to give us great answers we know who's going to we know who's going to slip up and and maybe accidentally reveal something we know who these coaches are all right so we we're, we're experienced going into these things um but yeah I I think the the overarching theme of Modis Presser was we have expectations and we we're trying to meet them we're not trying to get to them we're we're not trying to sort of um like climb this this ladder slowly like no we want to get there now and i think the the nature of the talent on their team sort of dictates that too
0: well played by both of you highly entertaining stuff now headline and storyline the column that we write every monday uh, we, uh, the both of us are a part of that, and Peter Hooley's there as well. And we asked questions of what might be interesting scenarios across the league. And one of the questions we asked whether this was just a headline or this is a storyline to watch moving forward. It's not the first time we've discussed Melbourne and different lineups and who are they going to close with, who are they going to start with, how can they maximise this incredibly deep and talented team. And this time it's centred around Ariel Hookporty. And Joe Lawala-Chul, who, by the way, JLA has come back and he's looking very good, particularly on the offensive end. He he looks healthy, which is exciting for Melbourne United fans. But Ariel Hukporti has been out of this world, particularly defensively this year. All the numbers are absolutely Ridiculous Andrew Price, who mm. uh, the website that I'm on at least uh, three times a day, Spatial <laughs> Jam, posted a, a lovely grab last night on Twitter about the defensive impact he's having uh, at the rim. And if you look at, again, all the metrics, the rebounding metrics, the block percentages, Hukporti is top five across the league. Some people at the start of the season, by some people I'm saying me, had the take that he could potentially be an all MBL big man. Right now, it would be hard to deny that he would absolutely be in that mix. Yeah. But you've also got a guy now coming off the bench that was an MVP candidate two seasons ago. So it's going to be interesting to watch. And again, we the old classic good problem to have. But I don't know how they're going to manage this. Does Hookporty stay in the starting lineup? Does it even matter? Do they just close with JLA like they did against the Breakers on Sunday? I think it's going to be... Fun to watch and see how it plays out, but I don't think you want to take away from what Hook Porti's doing right now because he's been amazing.
1: Do Do we remember what I said earlier in the season that it wouldn't surprise me if JLA comes back and Hook Porty stays in the starting lineup mm. because I think the fit is better yeah. with the the with the creators that they have around him and the shooting that exists in that starting lineup. Having someone like Hook Porty who can just rim run. I like that
0: better. Let me throw a scenario at you then because I've just thought about this because, again, as we continue to work through the mixing and matching of lineups. Mm. So Matthew Dallavedova, who we know, missed the game. At Melbourne United are going to continue to be cautious with the concussion symptoms that Daly's had. So now you have Ian Clark that can come into the starting lineup. So when you have Ian Clark and Chris Golding, two guys that can get you 20 on mm. any given night, then I don't think you worry too much about the offensive JLA. And all of a sudden he can come off the bench and then you can, all of a sudden you rotation, you can play around with different lineups. But if you are potentially going with the daly Ily backcourt, maybe it benefits you to have JLA. Like so maybe, first Yeah. So maybe yeah. the way that they, they choose to uh, you know, run the guards with the bigs, maybe that's going to matter. And obviously, hopefully you know, we see Delhi regardless um, feeling well and, and hopefully able to play sometime soon. But that could be a decision to be made. Yeah,
1: I'm hopeful that, you, and, and I, I think this is the case that the United players have that level of like humility and just like security in themselves to be able to be completely fine with. I might start some games, it might be best for the team if my fit is better off the bench. Um, the, them, Sydney, and New Zealand are probably the only teams that maybe have that problem. Where it's like, we can mix and match things based on lineups, based on who we're going up against, based on who we think is maybe working well together in, in the most recent cases. They, they can mix and match starting lineups. I know Modi basically brought his team into a room and said, hey, look, we can have some fun here and change up lineups based on who we're playing. If everyone's bought into this, awesome. If you're not, let me know now because we won't do it. Everyone's bought in and so it wouldn't surprise me if they keep changing their, their starting lineup. It wouldn't surprise me if Dean Vickerman does the same thing with United, where we look at so jla came off the bench and he was immediately the go-to guy right i don't know if it's a healthy thing to open games and immediately start just throwing it down low to jla and and whatever right i like the i like this team able to get into some sort of flow with Porty's energy his ability to just run the floor run rim to rim that is a really cool thing that this team has and then also defensively we know teams generally like to start games with sort of some some sort of defensive force i think Porty brings that it I like the idea of JLA continuing to come off the bench a la the championship team that he was on a few seasons ago with Jock Landale, Mm. just because of the fit and the skill set he brings, which is, I can come on and give you 20. Uh, He can be the sixth man of the year. Uh, The only problem there is they recruited him to be the MVP. Mm -hmm. So whether personal ambition and his ambition to get to the NBA as well comes into consideration here, potentially will. But it's really tough to go away from something that is so demonstrable in Hookporty starting and then being effective.
0: Now, for those at home listening to this podcast and saying, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes in the fourth quarter, I hear. Nice, Kane. It's a very popular <laughs> argument to be made. And Joe lawala did play the last seven minutes and 56 seconds of that game against the Breakers. Hookporty did have four fouls there. Uh, but Melbourne United were able to close out that game. So again, just something to watch. But Melbourne United... Particularly defensively, they continue to look ter- terrifying. And as I've flagged a few times, I had some concerns over the offense, but maybe with JLA and figuring out Ian Clark and him feeling comfortable, there's some upside there for sure uh, for Dean Vickerman's team. Clearly one of the big winners of the weekend was the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Mm. That's That's me knocking on this, I think, is a wooden table before I say that Southeast Melbourne are looking relatively healthy. And yeah. I don't know what this is made out of. That matters. Probably would.
1: <laughs> no, 100%. The, them being healthy has been the thing that's re- effectively ruined them the past few seasons. Yeah. And we know this. Um, it was scary. I, I had to I had to leave that game at halftime um, because I had to get into the studio. And as I was leaving, I saw Will Cummings at the back in the tunnel, sort of like stretching out. He didn't look like in a good way. And then I found out that he just... I, I wasn't out there for, for that possession. He suffered a corky. You know? I went mm. back and looked. It was fine. Um, but... Alan Williams coming back and playing like an absolute monster. Now, I I'm still intrigued when teams attack him, especially off on balls. So far no one's really done that consistently, but offensively he is insane. Obviously, rebounding wise, he's incredible. He's completely shifted this team, not just on the court, but also just like it seems like the vibes are a little bit better. Um they they seem to be up and about and sort of really excited about the way they're playing. Um Mitch Creek is playing well they they're figuring out what they're doing now one of the wins one, the first win over Tasmania was big right that was that wasn't the sign that okay this team can compete with with the best um they got a win over Brisbane Brisbane didn't have Aaron Baines and, and Shannon Scott got injured in the third quarter of that game but these are all meaningful wins they they're winning at home they they're, they're getting the job done and i'm the, the depth is something that i'll always just be iffy about but it's the guys are playing their roles and it's, it's looking okay so far.
0: It just felt early in the season that was stretched a, a little bit because yeah. I think before the season, I was a little higher on the depth of the Phoenix than you were, but I was definitely looking at it in a perfect scenario where everyone's playing and everyone's on the floor and all of a sudden, some of those guys are, are coming off the bench and they're probably suited to play 15 minutes rather than 25 to 30 and being asked to be in big possessions and in the fourth quarter there. Mitch Creek, you mentioned, we haven't really discussed him a lot on this podcast so far this year, but... He's getting you 17 tonight on 50% from the field and 43% from three. So uh, maybe the first game or two after not playing any preseason basketball, he looked like he just needed a bit of a run. He's played a lot of basketball overseas uh, in the offseason, but he's starting to look again like the type of guy that's around that all-NBL first team MVP type scenario still... Uh, building into the season there, but it's good signs for the Phoenix. I don't have too many takes on the Brisbane Bullets right now, but what we do know is that Aaron Baines, if you include the half game where he was ejected, uh, they've now lost four in a row. Brisbane and that two and zero start feels like a long, long uh, way away, a long, long time ago. And yeah, we already mentioned the big game they've got this weekend, but the Bullets right now are teetering on the edge of a team you you're scrubbing. Yeah, it's it's so tough. Because with
1: Aaron Baines, he's not the most productive dude in the world, but his impact is clear, especially defensively. Um, but right now, this team offensively is just, they're, they're just struggling. Yeah. And it's going to struggle more, probably, with Shannon Scott. He's got a hamstring injury. This looks like it could be a few weeks. So they're going to be missing him. So presumably, Mitch, Mitch Norton steps in, and the offense hasn't looked good with Mitch Norton running the show. His offensive numbers have been pretty bad so far. And so there'll be a reliance, reliance on him, on Isaac White, to step up and play some of these point guard minutes. Um, but I just think a team that has to lean so heavily into Nathan Sobey being their number one option is just not one that's conducive to like winning consistent basketball. Nathan is a really good player and a great local to have. But if he's your number one option and you have to ride him every single possession, I just don't know if you can win basketball that way. The offense has been really, really bad. It's it's been it's been Adelaide levels bad. And and I, again that's just it's just not you can't win
0: games sustainably. So a couple of other teams that and yeah, we'll see over this little stretch here, but the bullets mm. at two and four, they're gonna have to uh, try and turn that around pretty quickly to keep pace and And I was
1: telling you this, the thing that I love is going into games where both teams where either yeah. outcome, yeah. we're gonna learn something. So we we it was the Adelaide Perth game where Adelaide loses, they're one and six. Oh no. Perth loses, they lose three in a row. We're, we're, we're panicking. Now it's Perth Brisbane. Perth loses, four in a row, absolute panic stations. If Brisbane loses, it's five in a, five losses in a row. I don't know if you can change anything. I think this was almost the expectation that they're going to have some struggles, but not a great place to be sort of maybe may again, point of no return is
0: really approaching there. Again star bands fans hang in there. maybe next week. It's a little bit hard, what are we supposed to say right now? I just oh, I like i just like, want to, I just want to acknowledge our friends up in great the ambassadors North. for the league over in America good on you absolutely really good efforts well we'll uh we'll be able to see them in action this weekend that's what I'm getting to. I'm excited to see the snakes back playing oggs i just
1: i just i hate that we can't talk about them like, like even new zealand i like, i we finally got a look at New Zealand again and um and they lost but I doubled down I, I like them Cairns, i can't I don't even know what to say they went and lost by a combined 100 points in America. Mm. I got I got no
0: takeaways from that. With that, you know what time it is. NBA it's time. It's time to talk about our friends down in Tassie quickly oh, because Tassie. you know that I is. can't let this podcast slide and if you're oh, going to go I'm in i I have to talk about to Tassie Tassie all the time. If you're going to go into Sydney and beat the two-time defending champs and do it again with a really impressive fourth quarter on the road, second time they've been in Sydney this year, uh Tassie's offense, I keep on talking about it, but it just continues to absolutely it's sizzle. Not, it's not dropping off, hey. And, and it will drop off. So it, as much as I keep hyping <laughs> it up, it will. It, it has to, because right <laughs> now their offensive rating is 122.9. This would be the best in the NBL. I went back as far back as I could on the Real GM Advanced Stats. This would be the best offense since 2012. That's how much they're cooking right now. And you remember that press conference early in the season when – Uh, Someone asked Scotty Roth about Jordan Crawford and his shooting efficiency. And Scotty was like, come on, man. Have you uh, seen this guy, what he's been able to deliver across the world? Well, over his last three games, he's 26 for 50 from the field, 14 for 27 from three. And he's given you (laughs) 25.3 points per game. And included in that is a performance against the Illawarra Hawks where he only played 23 minutes and still gave you 17.
1: Yeah, he's good. He's really good. We knew he was good. That's right. Coming in. uh, Yeah, there's honestly, I don't know what else to say. Both of their wins, they they beat Sydney twice, which is really impressive, including Sydney in Sydney. Yep. Uh like credit credit to them. Their, their offense is just again. I'm like you. I'm waiting for it to drop, and my just expectation maybe just because they're Sydney is that Sydney's their offense is just going to keep clicking. They're going to eventually finish as, as the number one offense. Tassie's just like. And I don't know. if We sound like a broken record. They're just so well drilled, and they're just going to continue to be well drilled. We we knew this is what they're going to look like early on. Whether other teams get up to that level is the next question. Um, I I imagine some of them will. They'll get up to that level, and and then the, presumably their talent will get them over over the line. Um, but right now Tassie looks cool. Uh, like they're not defensively the same team that they've been. But we t- we spoke about the sort of trade off that they had to go through, and it's, so far it's it's working, and it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's gonna slow down because Jordan Crawford's just getting more and more comfortable. And Milton Doyle is Milton Doyle is like the, the player in the league outside of Chris Golding, who I think this is just second nature to him at this point. He just goes out, he just knows he just goes out there and just plays. He's he's he has the best feel in the league.
0: Uh with both of those guys. You've got individuals that can take over the fourth quarter. We've seen Milton Doyle do it. We've had the discussion, is he the best closer? But now we've seen Jordan Crawford do it on a, a couple of occasions. And when he scored the first 14 points for Tassie in two and a half minutes in to completely bust that game open in the fourth quarter, it was Shit. as ridiculous of a run as we've seen in the NBL so far this year. So, yeah, look, right now, I wouldn't care less if I was the Sydney Kings about that loss. They'll look at things, but DJ Hogue hasn't even played. Mm. We think they've got a number of guys that are going to continue to grow. But for Tassie... They're cooking right now and there's no question they are playing as well as anyone in the league and if you dive into that and you want to say they're your title favourites, that's fine. I think they can win it. I still, if you force me to pick a team right now, I still like Sydney because I, I like the growth and I think they've got guys uh, so much depth uh, up and down the, the roster there. But Tassie, as if anyone didn't pick up on it, I'm liking what they're doing and they are a very fun team to watch. The,
1: and the the thing that should... I. That should make people feel even more hopeful. Is that Will Magne will come back at some point this mm-hmm. season, and we speak about their defense and some yeah. of the struggles. And I think some of that can just be put down to Marcus Lee not staying on the floor. Uh, and so, and when he can stay on the floor, he gives them a different dimension, hundred percent. And so, if there will be times where again he, he will be in foul trouble, yeah. Once they have Will Magne to throw in there, then I think that their defense can just be sustained over the course of a forty-minute game.
0: Let's rattle off some NBA news, Ogs. and it was a busy day or really a busy, probably 72 hours across the NBA. We'll hit mm. on some of the, the bigger news regarding uh, the Aussies and Kiwis. We'll hit Stephen Adams as well with some unfortunate news, but Josh Green, let's start there. Mm. So the deadline was, as we record, this was this morning, Tuesday morning, Australian time uh, for him to be able to sign that uh, rookie extension. And uh, he cashes in a three year, $41 million deal. Now, I think that he is set because of the skill set he has is exactly what Dallas need particularly defensively they weren't slowing down anyone last year I think he has the skill set the athleticism the two-way play that he's got growth on the offensive end but I just think they're going to desperately need his defense and on first of all, this is around 13 mil around there, 13 and a half, and a, half a year. Yeah. So let's be honest, this is a pretty handy payday for uh, the young fellow that you think potentially could go from here. But I also think this is very team friendly because I do mm-hmm. think green is ready to take a next step. Yeah. Super team friendly.
1: Uh, pretty sure it aligns with Luca and Kyrie's contracts respectively. I think it's, they, they would all end at roughly the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's, T- deals really don't get that much more fair than this, I don't think. Um, you know, Josh Green didn't have to go in. I guess a fourth year would have been cool, but my f- I guess he might have taken less money to-, to take a three-year deal uh, that he can sign an extension when new TV rights are being negotiated. And so
0: that I is... I think if there was an extra year there, and this might be my optimism in Josh Green, but if there's an extra year there... Then I think it leans more closer to the team friendly than than player friendly. I, I think he's in, in the sweet spot. We yes. expect
1: him to, exactly. to be outplaying a deal come year three and four. Yep. Um, so team friendly in that regard, player friendly in that uh, it does end after year three and he can renegotiate uh, or sign somewhere else or whatever uh, when the TV rights new TV rights come in and so the salary cap will probably increase by like a considerable margin. Um, and so in that way, it's it's cool. It's it's also cool for the Mavericks to extend the player because they don't extend players their rookies very often outside of Luca. I think before that, I think I saw it was Devin Harris before mm. that, or like almost like twenty years ago. It's a Flashback, right? Um, and so that is that is a cool thing for them. Um, and this is just a good sort of vote of confidence that this this guy is part of their future. That he is part of the core of this team. Um, and so I, I congrats to him. It is cool just in general. And I, I try to to step outside like the NBA, like the the prism and the everything that has to do with the politics the NBA. He's got generational money. Now this is oh. th- th- like, this is a, a very cool day for Josh and his
0: family. That's why I like to really point out that I can talk about this being a team friendly deal, but uh, let's be honest. If you're Josh Green, you're probably feeling pretty good today and it's much yeah. deserved. We saw, saw him obviously have uh, some big moments at the FIBA World Cup as well. And as we said, he's still so young. He's still in his early 20s. So he's a player with plenty of growth. So, Three Aussies, Jack White, Xavier Cooks, DeWop Reith, over the course of the weekend, the last few days, uh, all three of those players were waived by their team. Dewop Reith has already been reported that he's been waived, but then he signed a two-way with the Portland Trailblazers. And I don't think that's a big surprise. They had a a vacancy there. He was really, really good in Mm. Summer League and honestly played some pretty uh, solid preseason basketball on the back of starting for the Boomers at the World Cup. So I don't think Reith was a big surprise. If we look at White and Cooks, certainly with White, I'd been hearing last week that regardless of what happened, there seemed to be a little bit of interest around there. It seems like there is a, a strong possibility that both guys could hang around.
1: Pretty much. So the the Jack White one, I thought there was a chance that he could st- stick on that roster, but the roster crunch in OKC was really tough toward the end there, um, and so basically they would have had to pick between like Jack White and maybe like a man Trey or, Man or yep. or like a, like a Aaron Wiggins, just someone who they would have who they drafted and were investing. They've been investing in for a considerable amount of years, so like they, I understand cutting him. Jack White will, Jack White will have interest from around the NBA. There will be a, a deal out there for him, two a or otherwise. Yeah, he will be okay. Xavier Cooks, the only the I didn't see the fit on that roster. It was like a, it was a turnover in the sort of front office of that team. So theoretically, new front office wants to bring in their own guys. Xavier Cooks isn't one of their guys, and so what didn't surprise me that he was maybe on the chopping block, but. They, it was fully guaranteed this year, and so he would he will have to be paid out that entire. I think one point seven million. So great day for the Cooks family. Obviously, um, yeah. he is another one who I fully expect will get another look in the NBA this season. That is the expectation from sorry, his people. There were NBL teams who called. Uh, that were told that's nah, okay, <laughs> we'll be okay. Um, and even then, Sydney owns his rights anyway. So, and Sydney would not. Sydney would move mountains to bring Xavier Cooks back. Uh, and that's something to maybe look out for next season. But for this season, Xavier Cooks is locked in on on trying to be an NBA player,
0: and I think there is there is an avenue for that to remain the case. Sad news over the weekend was Stephen Adams, who we saw have mm. a really tough time last year with a PCL injury. He was really struggling there. There was a stem cell injections toward the back end of last year, trying to uh, get this uh, knee to recover without going down the surgical path. Uh, ultimately he did play some minutes in the preseason, but ultimately they got to the point where surgery was required. He's going to miss the entire season. Now he was, and to be fair, Stephen Adams has always been underrated, but he was so impactful for this team last year on the glass and they completely collapsed being, uh, having the ability to rebound the ball without Stephen Adams last year. So for the Memphis Grizzlies, this is just a massive loss, but for Stephen Adams, one of the great guys across the league and absolute must-listen press conferences, hilarious, easy to love, easy to support. This was just this just made you feel bad. This was just crappy news to read. It's horrible, especially because we didn't see him much last season. Yeah. So
1: knowing that we won't see him at all this season, it sort of hit like the Lonzo news yeah. where it's like, I yeah. just want to see this dude play basketball. Um, and last season, when Stephen Adams was playing, it wasn't just the, the defense and the rebounding, but the offensive rebounding. Like That, that changed that team and and it was it was really palpable when he wasn't on the floor like you could feel it so that that just it just sucks for him it sucks for that team because they're already missing brandon clark for the year um they're not gonna have Ja Morant for the start of that year so this is a team that like on paper healthy is really cool and and you you would assume budding and they've got awesome pieces but health is like the number one factor for most of these teams and this is absolutely killing the grizzlies
0: Last one I've got on the top of my head before we wrap this up, Josh Giddy, the Oklahoma City oh. Thunder, really shocked us all by picking up the fourth-year option for Giddy. and you know, another guy that's uh, in a pretty short time could be in line to sign a extension. Obviously, you know, the Thunder, one of the teams on the rise, and you know, the franchise is going to have decisions to make down the line with all this star young talent that they've got but Giddy clearly we saw at the FIBA World Cup just took a massive step mm. and even in the preseason just looking at the physicality the strength his ability to play bully ball and get to the rack now it's ridiculous that he's still so young uh, but again he looks like he's entering the season and ready to take another step and the Thunder they're going to be must watch you're going to want to watch this team uh, obviously with Giddy there but with the whole roster Thunder are really cool I—I'm I, I don't know how good they're going to be but they're gonna be pretty fun. There's so the expectations are so high. There's yeah. I, I wrote about it in the uh, NBA preview I did, but this is the first time. In Giddy's career, yeah. but a lot of these guys that all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 we actually expect you to win. Mm. And it's going to be hard to reach the expectations that I'm seeing. Some people saying a home court team in the first round, they could go on home and, and win multiple playoff series. I mean, people are getting really hyped about the Thunder.
1: It's it's so interesting because, so firstly, the Giddy Bully Ball stuff is cool. We saw yep. it uh, during the World Cup, yep. sort of like for like the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if he can lean into that a bit more, uh, that combined with the partnership with Chet, which is looking really cool. And just like all the pieces they have, I really like that team. I think Jalen Williams is unreal. Like he's one of my favorite players in the league. And obviously Shea Gildas alexander um, Them being painted as a, damn, a home court team is tough. Uh, they, 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 these guys have never been to the playoffs before. So to expect them to go to their first playoff series and be like be awesome, it might, it might be sort of unfair. Uh, but at the very least, when you just look at the talent, and I think even the, like the balance, yeah, there's reason to, if you're not high on this team, at the very least, be excited to watch them. Because Shea and Giddy and Lou Dort and, and Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, they're going to be unbelievably fun to watch. Um, and I think Chet especially. Chet, is, Chet has a really good chance to be Rookie of the Year because of, I think, that the output that he's going to be able to put forward. Wemby is going to get all the headlines because he's going to do some stuff Stupid shit. It's going to be crazy, but I think Chet is going to put, be, be super productive on a team that wins games, and I think that can't be overstated. I'm, I'm excited to watch this team. I'm excited to see Giddy's role on it, because he's extension eligible next offseason. So what his role is on this team and, and who they lean into more, I think could give us an indication on whether he is someone who they want to extend for a significant amount of money, or if maybe he's someone who they, they dangle as a trade piece we'll see because this team's going to have decisions to make
0: it's like the night before christmas the nba starts tomorrow you know exactly where to watch it of course on espn and you can find out all the news on espn.com.au and you should absolutely if you haven't done so already subscribe to this podcast because we're back every single tuesday what a podcast myself and olgin and <laughs> we just dipped our toes into the nba waters and we'll do that from time to time predominantly We're chatting NBL, but this is the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour. So if the Aussies are getting the job done over in the U.S., we're going to be talking about them. So make sure you subscribe, turn the notifications on, and you'll know every single time we drop a new show. But let's leave it there for today. Olgs, next time we catch up, there will be more NBL takes to be had and a week of NBA in the books. It's going to be a big show next Tuesday. Make sure you join us for Olgs and myself. We'll leave it there. We'll see you all next week.